This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. There is something amazing going on in Northampton. I mean, amazing. And I did not know anything about the artist, the musician that we're going to talk about this morning and hear some of his music. I didn't know it until, I don't know, maybe a, a decade ago when someone said, there's this thing going on at Smith about some Django thing. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I said, no, Django and June, you really want to know about this. And I went to the concert that year. I have never been so blown away at a concert ever. The music was amazing. I didn't know this music existed prior to this. And I'm so pleased to have with us today three of the musicians from Django in June. We have Jack Soroff, who is an organizer for Django in June, and David Dunayevsky, who is one of the artists and musicians, and Daniel Garletsky as well. We're going to be talking to them. We're going to be hearing them play live in the studio. And then you are going to have the opportunity this weekend to hear, to go to two of the concerts by the musicians. We are talking about the music of Django Reinhardt. You musicians, of course, and musical aficionados know well, but many of, of us, well, didn't until, well, Django in June. So let's start, if we could, with Jack Soroff, is an organizer, a staff person for Django in June. For our listeners who don't know about Django in June and don't know about uh, Django Reinhardt, why don't you tell us about this event, what is going on here in Northampton, and why it's going on? Please, Jack. Okay, so Django in June has been going on at, I believe, the Smith campus for over 15 years. I think Andrew started, there's a, a man named Andrew Lawrence, who, who this is really his baby, and he started producing concerts and workshops in the style of Django Reinhardt um, back in, I believe, 2004, and it's been going and growing ever since. And only a couple of years later, it went from sort of one concert and one artist and one workshop to two concerts, two artists, and, and so on. And now it's a whole week-long music camp and a, um, a series of concerts with, with some of our wonderful musicians on staff. How many people are here and what is going on on the Smith campus? I mean, we have about... Uh, over over 200 musicians playing, students playing guitar, learning to play guitar and bass and mandolin and violin and accordion and learn uh, music in the style of Django Reinhardt from world-class artists from all over, from Paris, from Holland, uh, where, I mean, really wherever, and students that'll come from as far as Australia. Have the musicians played together before they got here? Um, sometimes they have, and sometimes they haven't. We've, we've actually introduced some great musicians over the years, um, and they've become long, long, lifelong friends and collaborators ever since. And in other cases, we have, uh, wonderful bands and groups that are with us, like the musicians today who, uh, have known each other for quite some time and developed a beautiful rapport. Let's turn to a couple of the musicians who will be playing, in addition to Jack Soroff, who is, in fact, a very accomplished guitarist as well as the organizer for Django in June. I'd like to turn, if I might, to Duved Dunayevsky. Uh, Duved, you're from 
uh, originally from Jerusalem. You now live in Paris. I'd like to know how you became involved, not only with music, but specifically with the music of Django Reinhardt and what attracted you to his music. Good morning. Um, so this is true. I grew up in Jerusalem playing jazz music, not traditional jazz and not specifically the music of Django Reinhardt. But uh, over the years, I just uh, I discovered his music. And since then, you know, nothing has been the same because it's just the most beautiful music I ever heard. So I moved to Paris with the idea of being at the place that Django was himself to soak some of that. And that's how I got there. We were talking before we went on the air about this, and I'd appreciate your perspective. Sometimes this music is referred to as gypsy jazz, um, and you refer to it, you don't refer to it that way, you refer to it as the music in the style or the music of Django Reinhardt. That's tell, correct. Tell, tell, tell us what you mean by the in the style or the music of Django Reinhardt. Well, Django himself was from um, Manouche uh, heritage, a gypsy, so... After he became a big star at the time in the 1930s, the, his community kind of adopted this music. And with time, the music became associated with and, and called as gypsy jazz. But uh, Django himself, and at the time, was not playing gypsy jazz. He was playing jazz in a very unique way that was his own unique way. So I like to make the difference because nowadays there is definitely a style called gypsy jazz, and that's the more contemporary approach. And I play more... I have more of the historical approach playing similar to how Django played at the time. I think it's also worth noting that the word gypsy is a very complicated word that is often used and has become known as a racial slur for the Roma people. And the word, you know, we use the term, oh, I got gypped. That is all part of the, the racial heritage of the oppression of the Roma people throughout the course of history. And the Roma have uh, are all over the world. I've but I spent time with a Roma camp in, in India and there in Eastern Europe and beyond. So that term gypsy has fallen very far out of favor. Okay. So in music, in the style of Django Reinhardt, could you tell us this? There are different combinations of instruments and musicians who get together uh, among the 200 or so of you who are at Smith College this, this week and next. Um, are there traditional uh, combinations of instruments that play the music of Django Reinhardt? And if so, what are they and what are the variations? Definitely, yes. And I think this comes also from the fact of, of the gypsy lifestyle that they were traveling. So you would have instruments that are light, not as much piano and drums, more the, the traditional one like the most, the classic way the Django played with his uh, quintet of the Hot Club de France is three guitars, one violin, and one upright bass. The upright bass. The Just the three? The, the, with yeah. A guitar, with guitar, an upright bass. And violin. And a violin. Yeah. It's been expanded upon, to say the least. I mean, I've seen combinations of six or seven instruments. Tell us about that evolution. Well, that will be just by the fact that, like I've mentioned, Django did play jazz, so he did play with bands that um, any formation of jazz band of the time of 1930s, 1940s, but specifically the sound that he created was the string quintet in the style of jazz. That's one of his contributions. 
Let me turn, if I might, from Duved Dunoyevsky to Daniel Gorletsky. Uh, Daniel, you're from Moscow originally. You live in France now. Uh, what attracted you to the music of Django Reinhardt? Well, first of all, let me say thank you for having us here today. Um, we, uh, I come from a, a very musical family. Both my parents are um, musicians and both their parents as well. So I started learning the violin at the age of six. Uh, and I was pretty much well established in the field of classical music. I was a classical musician before I met Duvet. And actually what attracted me uh, originally in this music beside the fact that I loved jazz for as long as I can remember, is the will to play with Duvet and being unable to because I did not know this language. So I wanted to learn this language. What brings you to this, this symposium, this gathering this week at Smith College here in Northampton? Why, why come to this? Well, I think um, this is one of the major uh, events in the world for this kind of music. And it's a little bit mandatory for any established <laughs> jazz musicians to, to be here because it's, it's, world fam it's a world-famous event. Do you teach here? Do you just play here? How do you spend the week? I will teach three classes a day uh, until the end of the festival. And also we will play the closing concert on the, of the festival on Saturday. So um, let me ask the same question to you, if, if, I, if I might, Duvet. Uh, why come here to Northampton, Massachusetts? I mean, we're thrilled you're here, and, <laughs> it's, and 200 musicians are taking over a campus sounds amazing, is amazing, but well, w w what is it about this gathering? Um, well, I think Daniel said it all. It's, it is a world-famous festival, and I've been here actually five years ago. I'm very happy to be back. Uh, it's just a pleasure being in a place of meeting uh, musicians who are so passionate about the style and being able to to teach them and to perform. And, yeah, I'm going to ask you to play for us in just a minute. I would like you to explain this. I understand that in uh, Django Reinhardt's music, as in a, a lot of jazz, there's a fair amount of improvisation that goes on. So is what you're going to play for us today a set piece, or is it something you're going to improvise here in the studio? Tell us, if you would, so please. So the thing is, we did prepare a tune, but I, I don't know if it's appropriate, because it's Eddie Lang and Joe Venuti. Sure. We could start with the other one, if you, if you want. It's a, let's improvise something. It would be more exciting. It would be exciting, but, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's, up to, it's really up to you. So I was going to ask you to introduce and tell us the name of the song, but maybe it doesn't have a name. Maybe it does. Okay, we're we're going to improvise over the, the standard um, Sweet Georgia Brown. Okay, great, great. Sure. Shall we go? You're on. Thank you. 
Daniel Dunayevsky and Duved Dunayevsky and Daniel Garletsky. Thank you both. That was amazing. That was amazing. Welcome. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. You're going to learn how to have tickets for this concert. We're going to hear some more music. You guys are amazing. And we'll be right back. This Thursday, June 16th from 1 to 3, free parking, free giveaways, and free treats. It's a fair, the Mass Hire Holyoke Job Fair at Heritage Park in Holyoke. This Thursday, June 16th, come meet with over 50 employers in banking, health, education, hospitality, gaming, and more, and all in the great outdoors. So bring your appetite and find your dream job at Heritage Park in Holyoke this Thursday from 1 to 3. Visit MassHireHolyoke.org for more info. Brought to you by Mass Hire Holyoke and Business Solutions. Some would say, this wine all day, rosé. Rosé all day. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. They are not blends of red and white to make them pink. Don't make your own rosés at home. Ironically, a lot of rosés are not pink or rosé at all. This there's one a, looks orange. There's a huge variety of potential colors. Orange that wine is its own taste. category. White wine made like it's red wine. That's as close as we need to go into detail. It's an Etna Rosado from Sicily. It's from the uh, the slopes of Mount Etna, and it's 100% Norello Mascalese. Rosés in general, red wine sensibilities, white wine kind of on the mouth. Yeah, it really is kind of a best of both worlds situation. This wine has started to develop like a tart, peach, pithy quality to the finish. It seems to be screaming for food. Mm. Is it pithy whenever we say we're screaming something to then me actually scream it and put a sound effect with it? Mm. Maybe I'll do that every time now. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits, Northampton. Pacific Printing in Northampton has been a leader in screen-printed and embroidered apparel in the Pioneer Valley for 30 years. With 8,000 square feet of production, Pacific Printing produces thousands of custom garments for businesses, schools, teams, and events. Let the team of Pacific Printing create a professional look for you. Visit us at Damon Road in Northampton or OceanUpPromotion.com. Kick off summer in style with a free concert from Lux Deluxe. 
It's the Montague Public Library Summer Kickoff Party. This Saturday from 3.30 to 7.30 at Pesky Umskit Park. A parachute playtime for kids, face painting, food, a performance by Jaduk student dancers, and then rock out with Lux Deluxe. Brought to you by the Montague Public Libraries, the Friends of the Libraries, the Mass Cultural Council, and the Community Connections Coalition. Come see Lux Deluxe for free this Saturday evening, Pesky Umskit Park on Avenue A. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Corsello Butcheria? Correct! Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Corsello Butcheria, the Italian-style butcher shop in East Hampton. The meat is from nearby farms. The inspiration is a small family-run butcher shop in Rome. Stop in for a sandwich, for steaks or sausages for dinner tonight. Corsello Butcheria in East Hampton. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. at whmp.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation and this musical uh, extravaganza uh, with Jack Soroff, who is an organizer for Django in June, and Duved, Duved Dunayevsky and Daniel Garletsky. They are both amazing musicians who are here, part of this Django and June Festival at Smith College. You might want to take a note and take a look at the front page of the Daily Hampshire Gazette in that regard, today's Gazette. I'd like to know, let me uh, go to you, Duved, if I might. Uh, you, you live in Paris. You make your living as a musician, and I also take it as a recording artist. Tell us about uh, what the business is like for recording jazz and for selling uh, music today for you? Um, well, the business is kind of um, independent. We're not going through any label or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But we, nevertheless, we recorded a few. I have recorded a few albums. Um, the bands have changed over the years, but uh, right now I have my 12-piece orchestra called Duved's Pre-Bop Orchestra that we play original music um, that I compose and with also with the help of friends like Daniel here who arranges the music for me. Um, in this band, I'm trying to, well, to still be true to the, to the source and play traditional jazz like from the likes of Duke Ellington and such, but also to expand on it and give it a little, you know, a twist of my own. And apart from that, I have my quintet as well, which we recorded, uh, Duvid and his Transatlantic Five. Um, so, yeah, you can definitely find these online. And can you go back to the 12-piece orchestra? What are the instruments? What are the instruments? So there is I don't mean to list them in alphabetical <laughs> order, but but you know, what's the combination and why that well, combination? Well, so you have reeds, you have trumpet, trombone, piano, drums, bass, singer. I play banjo as well, and uh, Daniel plays the violin. So yeah, it's kind of a traditional 1930s orchestra. And do you travel throughout France and has... COVID affected your ability to perform? Definitely. I mean, we we play in France, but COVID, you know, for two years we didn't play with that band. And now we're playing again, but uh, COVID addition. Uh, now we're an eight-piece, but... 
Well, let me ask the same question to you, if I might, Daniel Garletsky. Are you, uh, do you record, um, and how are you able to uh, make a living uh, playing? Well, we, I do record as well. The uh, I have some classical music recordings uh, that I made prior to um, playing jazz. Then we have these three recordings Duvet mentioned. I'm on, on these three recordings. And yeah, I mean, we can play a various, uh, various gigs which are unrelated one to another. We play with the quintet a lot. We have a weekly gig at a club in Paris every Sunday where we play with the original quintet. We have um, a few other concerts here and there. It's life of a musician, basically. It's I think it's pretty much the same for any jazz musician on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Maybe we could tur turn back to Jack Soroff, if I might. Uh, I know at the concerts in years past that the CDs from the musicians have been available. I wonder if they'll be available this year. And uh, if not, we should find out from... Uh, Duved and Daniel, how to find them online, and so our listeners can place their orders for really just extraordinary, extraordinary music by extraordinary musicians. And what are CDs? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll answer that question uh, when we go back through our history lesson here in just a second. Um, but I, I take it people can order and, and yeah, download we, the three CDs we recorded together with Duved are available on my personal website, an online shop. It's uh, garlitsky.com, G-A-R-L-I-T-S-K-Y.com. Okay. Well, while I mentioned, Jack, tell us about the concerts and when they will be and how people can uh, uh, buy tickets and the like, please. Jack Sorov? Yes. Uh, there will be concerts starting at 7.30 on Friday and Saturday at the Academy of Music right downtown in Northampton. And you can uh, go to the Django and June website and click the menu and click on concerts for more info about uh, both of those nights. And I believe you can also go to the Academy of Music website or call their ticket office for tickets. And by the way, um, people can just wander around the Smith campus and at least take in some of this during the day. Is that possible? Absolutely. We have um, musicians... We, we have s certain rooms classes are in, but for reasons you can probably imagine, we're trying to do a lot of our classes outside. And even under normal circumstances, there's lots of just jamming in the courtyard and musicians having fun and playing. Bring over 200 musicians to Northampton for this summer festival. Uh, it, it's really quite, quite something. Um, words escape me, but the music doesn't. And maybe we could hear some more. Can we hear another tune? For sure. You want to talk about it a little bit? Go ahead. Uh, well, just a few words about this tune, uh, because um, Django uh, Reinhardt uh, played with, um, for most of his life with the violinist Stefan Grappelli. But when they met, uh, they were both already accomplished musicians, but there was another a duet uh, in uh, the United States um, prior to Grappelli Django duet, it was Eddie Lang and Joe Venuti. And these guys met as students, uh, as music students, and they really created this uh, style of uh, violin and guitar duet. And we were going to play a composition by Eddie Lang called Doing Things from the late 20s. Yep. Yeah. 
So, two quick questions. I know you have to go teach classes, but I would like to know, is all of Django's music uh, simply with uh, uh, instruments, or is there a vocalization for some of the songs as well? No, there were often singers as well. And so in this concert that will happen on Saturday, there will be uh, singing for some of the songs, or no? I will definitely sing a couple of tunes. There will be, okay. I have one quick question before we let them go. You were mentioning that that was from an American duo. That predated Django? And were were they Django's influence, or...? Well, they definitely influenced Django, but this this wouldn't be the Django style of music or gypsy jazz. That's, That's before, but they're the first... First musicians that you can really say, like the fathers of the of jazz violin and jazz guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With regard to the concert, I'd like to hear from three of the, are these uh, the groups or the combinations of musicians who will perform, are these groups that have performed before together or are they people who have come together because of this, this event, this gathering here in Northampton? Um. So I think this year we've we've got we're really blessed with uh, a nice mix. So we have a wonderful artist on Friday named Debbie Botosh, and her mother is a wonderful singer. 
and they'll be performing with some of the artists from Django and June, uh, who they have made connections throughout the years through things like Django and June and other festivals. We have a wonderful band called the Rhythm Future Quartet, who are very, very well rehearsed and very well toured, and are definitely a band, capital B. And then on Saturday, we have uh, Duved's Ensemble, which is clearly, you can hear, have a beautiful rapport. And then um, we will also have Matt Munisteri here with uh, a whole mix of musicians who he may or may not know from other points uh, who are also here at Django and June. So that's going to be a treat. Yeah. So we're going to hear some set pieces, and but we're going to hear some imp- improvisation, I take it, on the stage. Live. Oh, I'm getting a lot of nods on this. I haven't had this much agreement in the studio in years. <laughs> hey, listen, you guys have been amazing. Uh, Jack Sorf, Duved Dunayevsky, Daniel Garletsky, thank you all so very much. I don't have the words, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate the music and how inspiring it is and you are. Thanks for being in Northampton. Thanks for being here. And thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Northampton School Committee is looking for a new superintendent. The committee held a virtual meeting last night and drafted language for a job posting for interim superintendent for the Northampton Public Schools. The job will be posted and applications due by June 27th. Current superintendent John Provost is leaving to fill the same role at Hampton-Wilbraham Regional School District on July 1st. The committee also voted to create a screening committee to eventually consider permanent superintendent applicants. Juneteenth celebrations will take place this weekend in Amherst. The city is planning an interactive walk on Saturday of historic sites of Amherst's first black and indigenous families. The walk will also mark the launch of a new nonprofit foundation, Ancestral Bridges. The foundation, created by Annika Lopez, aims to build a more equitable future. Ancestral Bridges, a new nonprofit, has collaborated with the Amherst History Museum and other organizations to bring this day free to the public. The city will also be holding a Juneteenth Jubilee on Sunday starting at noon on the town common. And the Massachusetts Department of Transportation plans to fully replace the General Pierce Bridge between Montague City and Greenfield. The state announced the decision on Monday to pursue a full replacement of the bridge due to its deteriorating condition and projected costs. A full replacement of the bridge was estimated to cost at least $60 million before the repairs that are currently taking place. The pleasant air continues today with a mixture of sun and clouds and a high of 78 to 82. There is the slight chance for a sprinkle, mainly in the hills. Most of us stay dry. Variable clouds tonight. Also the chance for a sprinkle or light shower overnight, a low of 54 to 60. Mostly cloudy chance for a scattered shower on Thursday, a high of 76 to 80. Some thunderstorms on Friday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. La Oficina de Planificación y Desarrollo Económico de la Ciudad de Holyoke y la Comisión de Planificación del Pioneer Valley serán coanfitriones de una reunión pública el miércoles 22 de junio entre las 3 y 30 y 7 y 30 de la tarde en el Holyoke Senior Center. 
Habrán presentaciones duplicadas a las 4 y 6 de la tarde sobre el Plan de Turismo Histórico y Cultural de Holyoke, el nuevo sitio web Explore Holyoke y el calendario de la comunidad de Holyoke, así como el proyecto Ciudad de Historias de la Sala de Historia de la Biblioteca de Holyoke. Habrá traducción al español disponible y las presentaciones se compartirán en Holyoke Media. En estas presentaciones se buscará la opinión del público para obtener información sobre cómo los residentes valoran los recursos históricos y culturales de Holyoke y para comprender mejor lo que a los residentes les gustaría ver más desarrollado o proporcionado como parte de la experiencia de Holyoke de una manera que sea representativa de la historia y el patrimonio cultural de la ciudad. En otras informaciones, el líder de la minoría del Senado de los Estados Unidos, Mitch McConnell, anunció su apoyo el martes al acuerdo bipartidista emergente sobre armas de su Cámara, impulsando una acción modesta pero notable del Congreso en un año electoral sobre un tema que ha estancado a los legisladores durante tres décadas. El republicano de Kentucky dijo que esperaba que un esquema del acuerdo publicado el domingo por 10 demócratas y 10 republicanos se tradujera en legislación y se promulgara. Los senadores y asesores esperan traducir su amplio acuerdo en legislación en unos días con la esperanza de que el Congreso pueda aprobarlo antes de irse a su receso del 4 de julio. Ambas partes reconocen que es un proceso difícil que podría generar disputas y demoras. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This news minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We are so pleased to have with us in the studio this morning, Scott Cohen, sportsman, because there is so much going on in the world of sports. I'd like to start, if I might, because I understand you were at the U.S. Open or the site of the U.S. Open yesterday, Scott? Yeah, so it's at the Country Club in Brookline, uh, right down the road from us. And um, I got tickets to one of the, uh, they sell tickets to the practice rounds as well, Um This uh, U.S. Open, I think, is probably m my favorite golf tournament, and um, I don't want to go and see it live. I want to watch it on television so I can really appreciate it. <laughs> so <laughs> you sound like my dad. Yeah. So you I don't can go to a Patriots game. <laughs> yeah. I want to watch it on TV. I want to watch it on TV. So yeah, so I went to the practice round yesterday, and it's really cool to see. We followed um, we followed Rory McIlroy um, around a little bit. And what they do is they'll, they're, from the middle of the fairway, they'll hit two and three balls a piece. Oh, really? Yeah. And then when they get up on the green, they make, they try to make putts from all different angles. And what, on one of the holes we were at, the 12th hole, they have the pin that is in the green. And then they also have the marks marked on the green where the pin placements are going to be on the other days. And so the, the players will sit there for 10 or 15 minutes just chipping and putting to get a feel for the greens of the, of the course they're going to be playing for real starting Thursday. So it's really kind of a cool way to, to see. And, they, and they're much more laid back. They interact with the crowd. So Do it, they put up like windmills and make it the mini golf version well, of the U.S. Open? It kind of <laughs> seems that way. You know, when you see a guy hit a, you know, they hit their drives and then they'll Um, they'll drop two and three balls and hit it into the green. And, you know, you just don't see that. You do that yourself <laughs> when you're playing at, at your golf club on a Sunday when it's not busy, you'll do that. But we got, we got, you get to see the PGA guys do it. So it was cool. And do they, do they get mulligans? <laughs> well, they're, they're not, they're not really keeping score. Um, during the practice rounds, they're just out there to try and get a feel for the golf course. Um, you know, there's a, uh, the U.S. Open is known for, for its rough around the fairway and around the greens. 
and they're taking balls and basically throwing them down into this heavy, heavy grass to see what the consistency of the grass is going to be like if they end up facing that shot on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So when you see them take, say, three shots from the fairway to the green and they place them within, I don't know, 10 or 15 feet of the stick or the yes. place where the stick will be yep. on one of the other days, do you look at that and say, how does that happen? How do they do that? Or you, you look at it and say, well, they're just pros. No, they you know, it, it, well, you do. You do say that. Um, I mean, I did say yesterday, look, this is what they do for a living. That's why they're so good at it. But it, it you know, if you... At any golf club, and probably some of your friends, there are guys who can say like shoot sixty eight, which which in most on most golf courses is four under par for a round. And if you do that for four rounds, you're sixteen under par, and you're going to win that golf tournament. But the but what they do, and what even the best players from um, around the country do, it they play a completely different game. The ball just, it goes higher. It sounds different. It's just different. It's different. That's, they're that good. And to see it up close and in person, television, television does not do it justice. It's that's a, why it, you're going to watch it on television. That's why I'm going to watch it on television. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, remar it's remarkable. It really is. On these practice rounds, do they agonize over the putts? I mean, you see a putt gun; it's getting closer, it's getting closer, getting closer. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they do, do. They... and the and the crazy thing is, the fans do too. Like I said, we were on, we sat on the twelve hole for a while, and you know the the and you know the the undulation of the green and the way the the putts were breaking. Uh, one uh, one Rory, I guess, made like a a twenty foot putt that bent quite a bit and the and the crowd went bananas <laughs> and it doesn't even count <laughs> so you can only imagine what it's going to be like when it starts on thursday and and the country club is you know one of the that's where american golf really had its renaissance when francis we met you know beat the two uh british um harry varden and ted ray back in uh, 1913 and it really put golf on the map in the united states so there's a lot of it's just steep it dripping with history. Is the whole thing at that one country club in Brookline? Or is yeah. it going to move around at all? Or? The U.S. Open moves around to a different place every year. And it's just the the country club's opportunity this year. I think the last, um, the last time the country club had it was 1989. And Curtis Strange won that. And then uh, the last time before that was 1963 when Julius Burroughs won. So it, it, and like next year, it's going to be at the Los Angeles country club. Then it's going to be... Um, uh, on Long Island, uh, so it, it it moves around. There's they they go to all the great courses, but to a set uh, sequence of courses, or at least some of the most famous courses. It, they're usually it's usually a golf course that, like Pinehurst Number Two, yes. is coming up in a couple of years. So it's it it's the you know uh, the creme de la creme of 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 golf. So Scott Cohen, while we're on this question of golf, there's an enormous controversy <laughs> going on in the world about golf and whether or not well the Saudi Arabian uh, regime? Yes, it's, uh, it's the U.S. funded Saudi Arabian regime yeah. <laughs> is yeah, going is going to usurp the PGA, the Professional Golf Association, and its tour here in the United States. Uh, there's an enormous amount of money being sloshed around yes. from Saudi Arabia, and it's a sovereign fund, it's a wealth fund. Um, is is this going to disrupt? Uh, 
golf in this country significantly in your judgment? I don't think so. I don't, the fans aren't going to, aren't going to uh, really see much difference. I mean, you know, like um, uh, Dustin Johnson, who's one of the, you know, the, the preeminent players in the world, he's, uh, he decided to take the money and run. I think they offered him $125 million just to join this LIV tour. Uh, there's a couple of, of, uh, there's a, a tier of golfers, uh, under him, who also went over there. And then there's a bunch of Europeans who, if you follow golf, you'll Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, they're kind of on the back, not the, no pun intended, but the back nine of their career. <laughs> they still have, you know, they still have marquee value, but no, the PGA Tour will always be uh, the PGA Tour. I think it'll end up being good for uh, American players who will continue to play uh, the PGA Tour because. They're, the tour is going to have to realize that they're going to have to give the players more money because now all of a sudden there's a place for them to go where they can earn big, big money, and the tour is going to have to keep uh, pace with that in, in some way, shape, or form. But for the PGA Tour being damaged or, or changed dramatically, no. Think of having any effect on how women golfers are treated in terms of the, their compensation? Uh is that going to be part of this discussion? Um, you know, Bill, um, I, wa- I watch women's golf, and, and I will tell you this, that one of the big problems with, uh, with women's golf is that they're, um, in this country, uh, there's not enough um, uh, marquee American players who make headlines uh, week in and week out. If you see most of the big tournaments, the, the Asians dominate it. And, you know, over in uh, Korea and China and Japan, these women are superstars. But we don't have enough good American players to grab those headlines. If we did, um, we'd be talking about it more. It really kind of is that simple. In terms of things I want to talk about more, I really want to talk to you about the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Celtics. Can you stick with us for another minute or two? Sure. Really appreciate it. I don't have a guitar or a a mustache, (laughs) but I can try. (laughs) And we'll try singing, but only during the break. We'll be right back. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. And tonight, the state delegation is in solidarity with our mayor and with Congressman McGovern, who is leading the charge to stop the closure of the VAM lead. So we are completely committed as your state elected officials, and we are called tonight by our congressman to stand with him, and we will be here tonight, and we will be here every step of the way. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. This is Kevin DeRosa, Vice President of Retail Operations at Greenfield Savings Bank. This noise you're hearing is the sound that a document shredding truck makes when it's preventing identity theft. And to help protect you from... And, and, and to help protect you from identity theft and fraud, Greenfield Savings Bank is holding a free shred fest on Saturday, June 18th from 9 to noon at our Amherst office at 6 University Drive. Our free document shredding event is open to the public and you can bring up to three shopping bags of your unneeded documents, which could be used to steal your identity, such as bank statements, credit card slips, old utility bills, or anything with personal information on it. We'll shred them while you watch. Come to the Greenfield Savings Bank Free Document Shred Fest on Saturday, June 18th from 9 to noon at our Amherst office at 6 University Drive. Up to three bags accepted. Member FDIC, member DIF. 
GreenfieldSavings.com. Pie is like duct tape. It fixes everything. We must have pie, the great playwright David Mamet said. Stress cannot exist in the presence of a pie. So you go to Paul and Elizabeth's, you order a slice of pie, or you call and order a whole pie. I'll pick it up Saturday. They make cream pies at Paul and Elizabeth's and fruit pies. Whatever's in season, peach pie in deep summer, apple in fall. Pie fixes everything. Therefore, Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant is a repair shop inside Thorns in downtown Northampton. Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. As the weather gets warmer, I know many of you are thinking about your spring-summer workout schedule. And if you're like me, it's all about finding work, life, and workout balance. Which is why when you sign up at Fitness Together, you'll put a schedule together with your personal trainer that actually works for you, is stress-free, and will help you stay fit, healthy, and balanced. Visit us online today at fitnesstogether.com, Amherst, or Northampton, and sign up for your free consultation. Forbes Library Outreach Delivery Service caters to residents of any age who are homebound due to short or long-term disability in Northampton, Florence, and Leeds. A volunteer will deliver your specific requests or select materials for you based on your interests. We offer books, magazines, CDs, DVDs, and puzzles. Call 413-587-1019 or sign up at ForbesLibrary.org outreach. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And we continue our conversation with sportsman Scott Cohen. So, Scott, since Monty gave us the intro music, the Red Sox are actually playing really good baseball. They have a pretty good record. They've come back from a losing start to be now, what, three, four games over 500. They're three or four games only behind Tampa Bay and Toronto. They are very much in the thick of the American yeah. League East race. They could, if the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs they could win the World Series, as opposed to all the doom and gloom that I hear from my uh, radio co-host over here, Monty Bill. Monty, everyone, <laughs> oh my God, the world's coming to an end. Look what's happening, blah, 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 blah. I was blah, happy blah. when I, they hit 500. I'm, I'll a, tell you that. I'm a Red Sox fan. Okay, but Red Sox, could they actually win this thing? You know, they've had they've had their renaissance like the Celtics uh, have. You know, back, remember, back at the end of January, the Celtics were odd. They were awful, just terrible. And now they're a couple of wins away from winning an NBA championship. They got to win tomorrow night, and we'll, we can touch on that momentarily. But anyway, back to the Red Sox. Yeah, they were they were just so unlikable in the beginning of the year because they were terrible. I mean, just god awful bad. And yeah, all and, of you, a, and you shouldn't be god awful bad when you have one of the highest payrolls in baseball. No, for and, sure. And you're trying to emulate the evil empire with how much money you can spend. The evil empire, which is a team that both of you are fans of, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a. Re- I like the Red Sox, but I grew, you know, grew up a Yankee fan. They, you can't hold that against me. Can't. But yes, no, Monty can. He no, does. I, I will not. I would. I hold against you if you weren't true to your colors. They were. They were. Um, I think they're. Um, they're eighteen. Eighteen and seven since like June first. I think four shutouts. Uh, crazy run production. Uh, and as much as as high as the payroll is, Bill. There's a there is a lot of no name guys on this team too. And they're um they're a very likable team, and they're playing very very well. And like you said, the American League East is obviously the you know the gold standard in the American League uh, as of right now. And the Sox got a they have a really good solid record. Uh, 
Uh, you know, I don't. You know, can they continue it? Who knows? But but it's they're all of a sudden worth watching again, and they were not two months ago. Well, they're a fun team. They're a fun team, and they like playing with each they other. They like playing with each other, and you can see that chemistry. You can feel that chemistry. You can. Same is true for the Yankees actually this year. With a, talk about a bunch of no name people. Yeah, they have uh, John Carl Stanton for with thirty million a year, and Aaron Judge who is about to be thirty or forty million dollars a year. But they also have people making the major league minimum or pretty close to it who are actually carrying the team and they're fun they're young they're good they run they steal bases yep. they take the extra base they score on from second base and on they're crushing and they're crushing it they're just crushing it they're they're the yankees are a runaway freight train i mean i've i'm Bud, you know I love you. I know. I know. <laughs> this is but this is the uh, profession of, of yeah, love. They, yeah. they still have the best record in the league right now, right? They have the best record in the league by uh, by a good margin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 good. They're very very good. And they're also fun. They're fun as well. Yep. I mean, I mean, this is a year to actually watch baseball games. You watch the Yankees and the Red Sox. All the great there. teams are in the East. And, so. they're, and they're fun, and they're therefore accessible generally at a time we can watch them. Although Major League Baseball has secreted away a lot of the games. Ridiculous. It's just really hard to find the game you're looking for sometimes. So, Scott Cohen, you just mentioned the Celtics. Yes. Um, I'd like to go back to that. I'm not a basketball fan, really, most of the time. I tend to watch the finals because, well... You just do? I do. Um, And because Seth Curry is like watching a magician. uh, And I... He's so good. And he's... He's, yes, he's so good, and but he's so athletic, and he's not a big guy. Nope. He, he plays below the rim, and that's different for basketball. And I'm wondering whether you think that that kind of uh, play is good for the sport and good for sport in the <clears throat> United States generally. All right, here's a, a great quick story. I remember back in the you know watching basketball and covering it in the '80s. Everybody was. Um, uh, Everybody was upset because all they did was bang each other and dunk. It was just these big guys pushing each other out of the way. You know, Bill Lambeer in Detroit and the tough guy thing and the blah, blah, blah. And everybody was critical of that. Why don't they shoot the ball more? And they go, well, the reason they don't take outside shots is that takes skill and determination and practice. And and NBA players are lazy and all they want to do is bang each other and fight and dunk the basketball. Well, now all you mean of a, play hockey, <laughs> and now all of a sudden the game the game has you know become revolutionized where all of a sudden now everyone's taking the three point shot from the fifth row and like oh why don't they work the ball inside and lay it up and dunk it more it's just <laughs> it's just the way the game has evolved this is the game we have now it's not any better or any worse than it was in the eighties and nineties it's just different and, what- and they're ve- and and they're they're great players. They're One thing that's players. different, Scott, I really appreciate your opinion on this for someone who doesn't watch that much. There are a lot of three-point shots. They go down, they shoot, they miss, they miss. There's not a lot of rebounding a lot, and then they go back the other way and they shoot. And it means Well, they do that, Bill, because a three-point shot, you get an extra point every time you make one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Until you don't make them over and over and over again, and then it's very frustrating to watch as a fan. It's like you just they just keep chucking it up, and uh, eventually, you know, if you take 100 three-point shots and you make 33% of them, you're winning that game. And so that's they do it because you get the extra point. That's why they're taking so many. And that 33%, 33 to 40%, that's about what they make. Yes, it is. Yeah, the good ones, that's what the good ones do. Okay. On that optimistic note, we leave it. The Celtics play tomorrow night. And I think they're going to win at home, and then we're going to have a game seven on Sunday. Oh, will that be exciting? 
Thank you, Scott Cohen. Really appreciate it. And Monty, good luck with your Red Sox. Thanks. <laughs> the place I saw was far beneath the surface of the sea. My sight was poor, This is Bill sure Newman, WHMP. They dance above me as I sink. I see them through a crystal haze. Dear Massachusetts, marijuana is now legal for adult use. Keep your kids and pets safe by keeping all cannabis products in child-resistant packaging. Store your cannabis in a lockbox out of sight and out of reach from your children and teach them that cannabis and alcohol are for adults only and that prescription medications are only meant for the person they are prescribed for. Brought to you by the Northampton Prevention Coalition, working together to protect the developing brain. NorthamptonPrevents.org Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Bacon Humane Society believes in this bond, and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Bacon's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit DakinHumane.org. The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 10 o'clock.